get in your Bible, to Matt, that's on, uh, Matthew 22. You turn it down just a little bit, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, might seem silly to, to you, but uh, we have a, a fair amount of people that listen to these uh, recordings, and if we don't get it recorded, then I, gotta, I have to come in during the week and redo it to an empty room. And uh, I've had to do that a few times and really prefer not <laughs> to, to do that. And uh, just, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm not good at speaking to an em- empty room. And um, just not. Uh, as uh, has been our custom in here, uh, we're going to begin our class answering some questions. Uh, you should, if you didn't get one, uh, get one by the time you leave. Uh, one of those little square papers, turn something in. Uh, at the end of the day and just fold it up, set it up here. I'll get it uh, later. And uh, we have a lot of questions that are related to uh, teaching your children character and discipline of your children. And we will get to those uh, in this class uh, eventually. And so I I still have uh, all those questions. I probably have at least 40 uh, questions that one way or another are holding for later. Uh, question number one, I don't get anything out of church when I try to sit through an evening service with my kids. Why should I go to all the trouble? <laughs> uh, teaching your kids to sit through church is one of the most important life skills that they will get. Uh, in fact, teaching your child to be able to sit there just in general without having anything electronic, uh, that's a life skill. And the better off you teach your children to do this, the more you will help them in school, uh, in church. There are a lot of things in life where you you have to sit and listen. And and that's learned behavior. Uh, What I would suggest is that, A, you recognize that going to church is a part of being faithful. And every parent, one of the things we want as a parent, we want our children to eventually grow up and embrace our faith. We, we want them uh, to uh, be an independent, functional adult who follows their faith in, in Jesus. And what you're doing when you have your children in church is you are linking them to your faith by having them in the singing, having them through adult Bible preaching and teaching, and, and everything that goes on there. It ought to be a natural thing for them when they finish being a teenager in church to just go on to being an adult uh, in church, and, and that is a part of that transition. Uh, there's some things you can do that will help yourself. Uh, I would sit towards the back, then you'll feel less pressure for how uh, their behavior influences uh, others. Uh, I would do things like uh, make sure they go to the bathroom before service. Uh, there are Parents all the time get played by their children's bladders. Um, they, they just get played by them. Uh, it's a real simple thing. Uh, that would happen one time, and then I'd cut off their fluids at noon. <laughs> one time. And then they just will learn not to do that. Uh, listen, uh, every child who has a normal functional bladder can sit there for an hour, and you have to teach them or you can just be played 
uh, by them. We did things like we had special uh, coloring books that were their Sunday night church coloring books. We had special markers that they only could use on, on, on Sunday nights. Uh, we didn't let them use those things strategically until the sermon began. They just participated uh, leading up to that. Uh, on the way home, we would always ask questions. Did you learn? What did you learn? And expect them to have learned one thing uh, from it. And, you know, and, and, hey, boy, that's a great job that you picked that up and listened. And you know what? Um, they, as a kid, can get one thing. But, but remember, they're a kid. And you're teaching them how to sit there. You're teaching them how to listen. There's a lot of adults. Uh, I, I, I hate to tell you, when you're up on the platform watching how everyone listens, and you think to yourself, there's someone who never learned how to sit and listen. And uh, help your with that. It'll help them in every area of their life. Question two, uh, doesn't never disagreeing with authority in front of our children foster abuse from authority and adults? Uh, we spent a, a week talking about the importance of uh, following, obeying rightful authority. And uh, see, people who have had uh, rightful authority misuse that authority often really struggle with rightful authority uh, for themselves and uh, for their children, you know, and I do agree. I mean, never disagreeing with rightful authority might cause that, but that's not really what I said. It's only part of what I said. Uh, what I said was that all authority comes from God, and no rightful authority has any right to use that authority contrary to the way God said to use that authority. And it's your job as a parent to teach them both things. And if you don't teach them both things, you do set them up for uh, abuse or, or misuse of some sort. I will say this. There's far more damage done to children by parents constantly denigrating rightful authority than there is damage done to children by those in authority misusing their authority. Both things happen. Um, but most of the time, our issues with rightful authority are not that they're disobeying God. We just don't like what they're doing. We don't like how much playing time the soccer coach gave our kid. Uh, we don't like that the teacher gave them a B instead of an A. And, and, you know, and what we do when we handle those situations wrong is we subtly teach our children that that uh, leader, they are just always on trial to the mind of a 5 or an 8 or a 12-year-old. It's just very unhealthy for them. There is a right balance. And um, I, I do not believe that any reasonable leader, and I know that God does not expect any kind of mind-numb submission to any human authority. Uh, question number three, how do you handle a small child not wanting to eat something you want them to eat? Uh, one of the most important things you do as a parent is, is learn to pick your battles. Uh, there are some things uh, that the issue itself is not worth the battle it's going to take to win that war. And a wise parent understands that. Um, I think that one of the best things you do for your family, uh, if you don't do it already, is I, I do think you ought to s establish a family mealtime. Now, I get it, and busy schedules and work schedules and all that, you know, we, it's probably impossible to do that seven days a week, but as much as you can, I think you should do that. 
I think you should require everyone to set their phone down. I think that everyone should sit there, and I, I think you should go around the table. And um, we used to do this every night. How was your day? What happened in your day? Now, depending on your kid, if you have our kids, you get good, nothing, and, and, and you've got to ask a lot more questions. But, you know, uh, again, uh, all you're doing is you're teaching, and which is our lesson today that we're going to get to later, you know, is how to get along with other people. And it's just an important life skill. In my opinion, uh, you don't want to make your family dinner table a nightly battleground. Uh, we taught our children to eat some of everything uh, their mother mostly, and on occasion me, uh, prepared to eat some. Uh, that's a show of respect for the person who made the effort. On the other hand, uh, we didn't uh, say, wow, I'm just going to be really stupid about this. And you know what we're having tonight is we're going to have liver and Brussels sprouts and you're going to eat it. You know, I, I, I think there's far more damage done to a family and to a child to turn your dinner table into a battleground than your child not eating cauliflower or broccoli or spinach. Uh, what I would say to you is keep your dinner table as peaceful as possible and help them eat as healthy as you can uh, do, with, you know, with a, a reasonable amount of, of conflict. Um, Question number four, how do you balance secular things like sports with being a Christian? Uh, life is never easy to balance. And that becomes even more difficult when people we respect and we've taught our children to respect don't handle all those things exactly like we do. Remember last week we talked about the most important relationship in, in life is our relationship with God, the greatest commandment. Uh, Jesus says was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul. Um, and, and, and so uh, love prioritizes. And so, uh, again, some people might not agree with this, but I think you really help your child to learn to get along in environments other than your family and in environments other than the church. Uh, I think our children should know how to get along in the home of their family. I think they should learn how to get along in the church with Christian people. I think they need to learn how to get along with lost people in the workplace. It may shock you, but most of you are not going to be able to employ your children full time. And someday they're not going to live under your roof. And so you are preparing them to get along with a spouse. You're preparing them to get along in the workplace. You're preparing them to get along in all environments. My personal opinion is, is we try to do as much of that stuff as possible with prioritizing Christ, which means we pick sports and hobbies that minimize those conflicts. And again, though a lot of people don't uh, agree with this, if they had something that uh, was at a church time, we went to church. And um, I always prayed that my kids would be good enough that the coach would hate it. And uh, that happened some, maybe not so much. But uh, everybody in the team knew where our priorities were. Um, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Uh, here's the first one. Having one child makes you a parent. Having two makes you a referee. Uh, here's another interesting quote. Uh, where parents do too much for their children, the children will not do much for themselves. 
A couple things to ponder. Here's the first one. Seek wise counsel from people who might be able to help you instead of those who will tell you what you want to hear. Here's a second thought to ponder. Counsel from parents with older children is usually better than counsel from those with no children or those whose children are younger than yours. Uh, Listen, it is probably part of our fallen human nature to feel like we know how everybody else should be parenting their children. And then you get some. And then your kids get older. And you work through a lot of issues of life. And and it'll season and it'll shape you. You'll get better counsel from those people. Here's a third and final thought to ponder this morning. Be willing to let your children fail at times instead of shielding them from all opportunities to fail. Uh, As we talked about early on in, in, in this class, one of the most open times for every child and every uh, adult to learn and to listen is when things aren't going well. And so if you take all their opportunities to fail uh, and fall out of their life, what you're doing is you're taking away all those opportunities to learn and listen. Today we're just on uh, week five. Uh, 14 or 15 uh, weeks together on on parenting. Uh, Again, I say this every week, I I am not what I would call an expert. I don't have all uh, the answers. I I have seen a lot. Uh, I do want to help you. And um, probably nothing uh, about which we're more passionate than how we handle our, our children as parents. And the foundational question to all of it is simply this. Does God know more about what will give my child a a better life than I do? It's a basic question. Who knows best for the future of my child? And last week, we started talking about the subject of having healthy relationships. Remember that simple statement. No matter how successful our children are in life, if their life is filled with broken relationships, there's no amount of success that will make up for that. No amount of position in a company, no amount of wealth that they have, no amount of stuff. Now, it might at times when the light is shining, uh, they say, oh, yeah, everything's great. But listen, when they put their head on their pillow, when your relationships, your key relationships in life are broken, none of that stuff really is enough to satisfy your soul. And we started first, of course, with our relationship with God, the most important relationship to love God. And we talked about how to uh, build that uh, in in our children. And uh, most of the time, healthy relationships with people flow from a healthy relationship with God. And all of the time, no one has healthy relationships with people unless they use the recipe God designed to have a good relationship. And that works whether God is in your life or not. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 uh, should be there or get there. If you're not there, just read uh, this again from last week. It's just a great, uh, it's one of those mountain peaks of of the scriptures. In Matthew 22, uh, verse 35, one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, that's Jesus, a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which of which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Uh, that's from Deuteronomy 6. Jesus says that from Deuteronomy 6. That's the greatest commandment of all. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. And now Jesus is going to answer a question they didn't ask. 
Verse 39, he says, And the second is likened unto it, the second greatest commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And here he quotes Leviticus chapter 19. He says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Last week we talked about how to point our children to God. This week I want to begin talking about, and we'll actually spend two weeks on this, how can I point my children toward loving people. It's the great, second greatest commandment. It's the second most important relationship we have. People. Now certainly, loving people is a much higher step than getting along with people. Jesus didn't say the second greatest commandment is to get along with people. He said the second greatest commandment is to love people. But listen, we will never love people if we don't first learn how to get along with people. Now, this is really tough for a, a lot of people because there are plenty of parents that didn't get along with each other. And so there's a lot of people, probably a lot of people in this room. You grew up in a home where really your mom and dad didn't really get along with each other. You didn't walk away from that home and say, do you know what, I want the kind of relationship someday with my spouse that I watched my parents have with each other. And so when it comes to getting along, sometimes we haven't seen it. And what's even more tragedy, tragic than that, because none of us controlled the house into which we were born, uh, all of us control the house we build and give our children. What is even more tragic than the house in which we were born, some haven't taken the time to learn what they need to do to get along. And so not only did you not see what it took to get along growing up, you haven't taken the time to learn what it takes to get along. And today, as a parent or a prospective parent, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know how to get along. Listen, if you're the kind of person that <laughs> broken relationships and difficulty getting along with people seems to follow you from job to job to job and friendship to friendship to friendship, then maybe you need to be honest and say, maybe it's me. Maybe there's something in the way I am handling myself that is making me more difficult to get along with than I think I am. Getting along with other people is a skill that can be learned and not just an ability or gift from God. Have you ever noticed this? One of the greatest flaws and lacks in our culture and workplaces is the lack of this concept I would call teamwork. I'm going to make, the, I will make this statement twice because I think it's a key. A world where all of children's relationships are electronic does not help our children cope or succeed with people. <laughs> In a world where all of our children's relationships are electronic, that does not help our children cope or succeed in this key area of life with people. Listen, anybody can have a good relationship online. You just don't respond when you don't feel like responding. You don't get online when you don't get online. And listen, life doesn't work like that. So someday, and you realize this in, in your house, you, you know that you can't just opt to say, well, you know what, uh, I'm going to turn them off for the next 24 hours. One of the greatest things you will ever do, both for yourself and for your children, is limit their screen time. 
I am amazed at parents, though I understand because it's so easy, who allow the television and their phone and the internet and their uh, games uh, uh, to babysit their children. You must control their screen time. This may even be you, but if it's not you, you ought to look around in a restaurant sometime and look at the people who are sitting there having dinner together and no conversation. It's probably true in some of the homes here. You sit down for dinner and there's people that are on their phone instead of in conversation. I'm not implying that uh, we shouldn't have a phone or that we shouldn't be on social media and all that stuff because to me all that stuff is fine if it's under control. What I'm saying this is you better get it under control or you're going to hurt your kids. Teamwork. Do you believe in your home that your family is supposed to be a team? I do. That's where we begin to learn how to function as a team. Everybody here, everybody here, has felt the pain from struggling to get along with other people. Everybody here. In fact, oftentimes it was the pain of getting along or not getting along with someone that helped us learn to maybe shave some of the rough edges off how difficult we are to get along with. Pain from parents, spouses, family members, co-workers, friends, neighbors, people in the church. For some people, this started, like I mentioned earlier, with the, own, the home in which you were raised and nobody got along in your home, nobody taught you how to get along, and you haven't bothered to learn. In other cases, they're natural weaknesses in all of our lives. Listen, there are some people who do have a natural disposition that makes them less inclined to get along with people than others. And some who have more natural inclinations to get uh, along. But listen, God did not tell us eight times in the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself, because, well, you don't have to do that if your natural disposition is... Eight times. That's because all of us can not only learn to love our neighbor, all of us can learn to get along with other people. And teaching our children, that of course, begins with how our children observe us getting along with other people. I've been a Christian now, a real Christian, for 36 years. I have been continually amazed as I watch how husbands and wives treat each other who call themselves Christian. Listen to me. If you can't tell your child, treat your spouse like you watch me treat your, whatever it is, your husband, your wife. If you can't tell your child, treat them like you watch me treat them, you need to fix things in your house. Every dad here ought to be able to tell your son, treat your wife someday like you watch me treat your mother. Every mother here ought to be able to tell your daughter, treat your husband someday like you watch me treat your dad. And anything short of that means that you and I need to be working on our example. 
I've been continually amazed as I watch Christian people how they treat other people. Amazed that people think that because you're doctrinally correct, how kind you are or warm you are or friendly you are, that doesn't matter as long as you're right doctrinally. Listen, the Bible is just as much a book of love and warmth and kindness as it is about truth. I'm always amazed at people's lack of self-awareness. How me doing this or not doing that affects other people. If I could get this concept through our minds, it would be an incredible victory. And I've said this several times. Our example is strongest when things aren't right. What about when you're tired or busy? What about when it involves people who you deem to be less important? How do you treat them? How do you treat your spouse when you disagree? Listen, it's no statement at all to treat your spouse well when you agree. How about how they watch you treat your neighbors when something's wrong? How about how they listen to you interact with pastors, deacons, ministry leaders, teachers in the church? How about when they watch you interact and respond with teachers in their school? How about your example as they watch you treat minorities, the elderly, the sick, the weak, or your own parents? How about when they watch us respond when we're wrong? You're going to be wrong sometimes. And again, we are teaching our children in those moments when things aren't like they're supposed to be, those are the times when we, treat our, when we teach our children most clearly how to get along with other people. And remember, we will never love other people like we should love them if we haven't first gotten along with them like we're supposed to get along. Say, so Brother Wally, how can I teach my children to get along with others? Please first go back in your Bible to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. And again, I say, for the most part, getting along with other people is learned behavior. I would not describe myself as someone to whom this comes easily. See, you see, you, you see the 60-year-old version who's uh, been working on himself for 36 years. You don't see the 16- and 18-year-old version who couldn't get along with hardly anybody. Because <laughs> I didn't try and didn't care. Listen, this is learned behavior. And if you're a Christian... If Christ is in your life, then within you lives the Holy Spirit of God, and He, the Spirit of God, is able with any disposition, with any background, to help us shape ourselves into someone who gets along well with other people. And we will never love our neighbor unless we first learn how to get along with them. How can I teach my children to get along with other people? Proverbs 16, verse 32, here's the first thing. Proverbs 16:32 says he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city you could summarize that in self-control slow to anger 
that makes you stronger than someone who's a great soldier? Says he that ruleth the spirit, that's your attitude. That is stronger than somebody who has the military might to take a city. Self-control. Here's the first thing. To teach your children to get along, you must teach them to control themselves. In fact, force them to do so in an age-appropriate way. Remember, I, I said the most important thing we teach our children is respect for and obedience to rightful authority beginning with God. If I were to pick the three or four most important things to teach our children on that list of the top three or four things would be learn how to control yourself. A child who never learns to control himself will always have to be controlled by others. Adults who never learn to control themselves will always have to be controlled by others. Begin with self-control of their temper. Listen, everybody has a temper. It might be uh, a short fuse, it might be a long fuse, but everybody has a temper. Everybody has things that make us angry. Please hear me, don't think that your children who blow their stack at you constantly are going to suddenly control themselves when they're with their spouse. Self-control is learned behavior. I can guarantee you that every person in here who has self-control problems with your temper, with your spouse, had them as a child, had them as an older teen, and no one helped you learn to control that, and now you're in a marriage, and now you're working to control that, hopefully. Have you ever thought about this? You can be under control 99.9% .9 of the time, and what you do in that 0.1% can get you in jail. Self-control of your temper. I wonder how many lives have been destroyed because of violent or angry outbursts. And in most adults who are still doing that, that likely started when you were a child and nobody properly did anything about it. Uh, uh, this show, it's as old as dirt, but there used to be a show on called America's Funniest Videos. I, I always thought it was interesting. I never forgot this one video in there. Uh, the mom was filming and the kid would throw himself down, himself down the ground and go, ah! and the mom would just move around, go to another room, and the kid would just get back up when, he, when she left, move over to that area, and when he got in front of the mom, would throw down on the ground, and then the mom would just move to another area. The kid would get back up, throw themselves down. You know, there's people all over this room, and you still try to control your spouse by your anger. I'm not kidding. And you use your anger as a manipulative tool, and that started when you did not learn how to control your temper as a child. Uh, not just self-control of their temper, self-control of what they communicate. Do you let your kids yell at you? How about do you let them walk away from discussions without a word? How about saying things you don't mean in the heat of an argument? 
How about not talking to people for extended periods of time because they're angry? I wonder how many marriages have been destroyed or nearly destroyed because someone did not learn how to control their communication. Listen, that didn't start the day you were married. It started because you didn't learn that at home and then you didn't bother to teach yourself and then now you're in a situation where your marriage and your influence on your children are at stake and you haven't learned this yet. I'm talking about self-control of how we respond when we're mistreated. Can I share something with you that all of us hate? Being mistreated is an unfortunate part of every life. Everybody in here have been mistreated by people of your own uh, amount of melanin in your skin. You've been mistreated by people who have a different amount of melanin in your skin. And most of the time when we're mistreated, it's because people sometimes are jerks. How we respond when we're mistreated is a self-control issue. The average person feels like if someone mouths off to me, then I can mouth off. The average person feels like when someone is unkind to me, there's my license to be unkind. The average person feels like, well, they said what they was, was on their mind, now I'm going to say what's on mine. What I'm saying to you is that person is controlling you instead of you controlling you. And that is learned behavior. I'm talking about self-control and the way we treat people when we're tired. Sharon will sometimes say to me, because my tendency when, when, when I'm tired is I, I, I get a little short. I don't mean short like that. Uh, I, I mean just short in the way I respond. She will say something to me, are, are, are you tired? And most of the time, the answer to that is yes. And that's also a little red flag for me to say, you know what, I need to take a chill. Listen, the average parent excuses your child misbehaving because they're tired. Instead of taking the fact that they're tired into account when you decide to do what you're going to do about the situation, but understanding that them learning how to handle people and not mistreat people when they're tired is a life skill. How about self-control uh, when it's that time of the month? There's a lot of women who learned as a teenage girl that, hey, if it's that time of the month, it's okay if I'm mean to everybody. I don't debate that it's easier to be mean. What I'm just saying is that's a part of learned behavior. Are you teaching your children self-control? See, the more self-control we teach our children, the better off they will be in every area of life. The more they control themselves, the less they'll need to be controlled by police, teachers, principals, and you as their parent. <laughs> Listen, have you ever thought that self-control is a key issue in controlling how much sleep that they get? It's a key issue in how much food they eat. It's a key issue in how they exercise. It is a key issue in almost every area of life. This is a foundational parenting issue and a personal issue to learn to control ourselves. It is so important that we do this ourselves and teach our children. Maybe the reason we ignore lack of self-control in our children is because we don't exercise much ourselves. 
In fact, what's really going on is our children are just a chip off the old block. An apple not falling far from the tree. When in fact, you will help their future greatly to teach them this. I say, Brother Wally, how can I teach our children self-control? I mean, aside from the obvious personal example, uh, here's the first thing to teach them. Use some kind of appropriate discipline for grievous examples of no self-control. We'll spend three weeks on discipline later. I'm not going to spend any time on it. Use some appropriate discipline for grievous examples of lack of self-control. Here's the second thing. How can I teach them self-control? Make it worth their while to control themselves. I strongly recommend never giving your children anything positive when they're out of control. Don't begin to cater to them because they're getting angry, because they're getting loud, because they're screaming more. Don't, don't begin that. Never give them anything positive for being out of control. Now, by the way, I'm not implying you always discipline them, but understand, and we'll learn this, not all discipline is negative. Part of healthy discipline is a balance of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. How can I teach them self-control? Here's number three. Uh, It's good for them not to get their own way at times. I think that's part of life. So what you need to do as the parent, you need to make sure there are times when your child doesn't get their own way. <laughs> I, I know of, of, of some parents, uh, they don't give one kid a birthday gift, but what the other kids are upset they didn't get anything. Now, if you're like that, that's just stupid parenting. I, I feel sorry for you and your children. That you just don't teach them that it's okay for their sibling to get something in their birthday and them not to get anything. That's a life lesson. It's good to learn to save some money. We'll talk about this later when we talk about teaching our children character. Uh, but, but listen, it's part of self-control. is controlling how you handle your money. Not getting everything you want. It's good for them not to get their way for unacceptable behavior. Uh, crazy crying, screaming, tantrums. They ought to get nothing positive for any of that stuff. We'll talk about that more later, but I, I'm going to tell you, if you subtly teach your children that you losing control and throwing a fit gets you what you want, you are setting them up for a terrible future. I know this shocks most moms, but most kids will do whatever it takes to get their own way. They will manipulate you. And if you don't have a healthy view of of that, you will be manipulated. Use positive reinforcement when your children choose to control themselves. How do I teach them self-control? Use positive reinforcement when they control themselves. Reward key behavior. In our particular home, our boys like to have friends over. If they weren't getting along with each other, they were not allowed to have friends over. If you can't get along with your brother, 
why do you get to have a friend over? No, that, that's a positive thing. And you don't get something positive when you can't get along with your brother. We made a point to never give them what they asked for if they didn't ask the right way. Uh, how about you go in the other room and come back and ask in a better tone? Why are you shouting? Why are you angry? Well, once you go, come, ask again. You don't have to fly off the handle all the time. You don't have to discipline everything. You know what? Sometimes just positive reward of good things. Listen, God will allow many circumstances in your home to teach you and your children these lessons. Will you use and shape and embrace them? I just say to you, listen, don't give up. Be strong. Be Be strong. Listen, uh, children by nature are immature. I don't care if their IQ is 170. Children by nature are immature. And you are there to bring maturity to the situation. Be strong. So you you don't understand how strong-willed my child is. First off, you've got to thank God that you have a strong-willed child instead of a weenie. And the second thing you need to do is you say, you know what, Uh, if they're strong-willed, I've got to be stronger. I I want my children to have a healthy relationship with God. I want my children to have a healthy relationship with other people. I want my children to have a healthy relationship with with, with their spouse. I need to just say, you know what, Uh, I've got to be strong. When they're behaving like this, I can't give them anything good for that. You know what, a lot of people, you basically just teach your kids if you ask long enough and loud enough that you'll break. Be strong. You can do it. And I'm going to have to stop there. Uh, You should just fill out uh, that little card with some kind of question or, or remark and just put it up here. And next week we will, Lord willing, continue on things to teach our children to help them get along with other people. God bless you. You're dismissed.